This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of scapular winging from the shoulder and elbow section on orthobullets.com. Let's start this episode with a quick summary. Scapular winging is a dysfunction involving the stabilizing muscles of the scapula, resulting in imbalance and abnormal motion of the scapula. Diagnosis is made clinically with the presence of excessive medializing scapular retraction, otherwise known as medial winging, or excessive lateralizing scapular protraction, otherwise known as lateral winging. Treatment is generally observation, physical therapy, and activity modification, or operative, depending on the etiology of the winging and the presence of an identifiable neurological lesion. Now, let's get into the episode. With respect to types of scapular winging, this is defined by the direction of the superomedial corner of the scapula. Medial scapular winging is a dysfunction of the serratus anterior, which is innervated by the long thoracic nerve. This manifests as weak protraction of the scapula, as well as excessive medializing scapular retraction, which is caused by the rhomboid major and minor, as well as excessive elevation, which is caused by the trapezius. With respect to the epidemiology of medial scapular winging, this is typically seen in a young athletic patient and is more common than lateral scapular winging. Lateral scapular winging is a dysfunction of the trapezius, which is innervated by cranial nerve 11, otherwise known as the spinal accessory nerve. This manifests as a weak superior and medializing force on the scapula, as well as excessive lateralizing of scapular protraction. This is caused by serratus anterior, pectoralis major, and minor. With respect to the epidemiology of lateral scapular winging, this is usually iatrogenic, and the patient usually has a history of neck surgery. Now, let's go over some relevant anatomy. Specifically, we'll talk about the scapulothoracic articulation, stabilizing muscles, and the nerves. With respect to the scapulothoracic articulation, keep in mind that this is not a true joint. The scapula is attached to the thorax via ligaments at the acromioclavicular, or AC joint. A suction mechanism is created by the serratus anterior and subscapularis, which holds the scapula closely to the thorax. This allows scapular movement against the posterior ribcage, and this contributes to glenohumeral joint positioning and mechanics. With respect to stabilizing muscles, the scapula serves as an attachment site for 17 different muscles. This functions to stabilize the scapula to the thorax, provide power to the upper limb, and synchronize the glenohumeral motion. Some of the important stabilizing muscles include the serratus anterior, the trapezius, rhomboid major and rhomboid minor, as well as the levator scapulae muscles. With respect to the serratus anterior, this originates from ribs 1 through 8 and inserts on the anteromedial border of the scapula. There is a total of 7 to 10 slips. The serratus anterior's primary motion is scapular protraction, which is responsible for anterior and lateral motion. The serratus anterior is innervated by the long thoracic nerve, which comes from the ventral rami of C5, C6, and C7. With respect to the blood supply of the serratus anterior, superiorly this comes from the long thoracic artery and inferiorly comes from the thoracodorsal artery branches. There are three parts of the serratus anterior that have different functions. The upper portion is responsible for downward rotation with the glenoid down and stabilizes the superior scapula. The middle portion is responsible for scapular protraction, and the lower portion is responsible for upward rotation and abduction. The trapezius originates from the medial third superior nuchal line, external occipital protuberance, and nuchal ligament and C7 to T12 spinous processes. It inserts on the lateral third of the clavicle, acromion, and scapular spine. The primary motion of the trapezius is upward rotation and elevation of the scapula. 
Again, the primary motion of the trapezius is upward rotation and elevation of the scapula. It is innervated by the spinal accessory nerve, otherwise known as cranial nerve 11. There are three parts to the trapezius, each with different functions. The upper portion of the trapezius is upward rotation and elevation. The middle portion of the trapezius is responsible for scapular retraction and adduction. The lower portion of the trapezius is responsible for downward rotation and depression. With respect to the rhomboid major and rhomboid minor, the rhomboid major originates from T2 to T5 spinous processes and inserts onto the medial scapular border just below the insertion of the rhomboid minor. The rhomboid minor originates from C7 and T1 spinous processes and inserts onto the medial scapular border near the base of the scapular spine. The primary motion of the rhomboid major and rhomboid minor is scapular retraction. And keep in mind that these muscles are innervated by the dorsal scapular nerve. Finally, the levator scapulae muscles originate from the C1 to C4 transverse processes and inserts onto the medial border of the scapula at the level of the scapular spine. The primary motion of the levator scapulae is elevation of the scapula and downward rotation to tilt the glenoid cavity inferiorly. The levator scapulae is innervated by the C3 to C4 cervical plexus with contributions from the dorsal scapular nerve. The specific nerves to be aware of include the long thoracic nerve and the spinal accessory nerve, otherwise known as cranial nerve 11. The long thoracic nerve arises from the ventral rami of C5, C6, and C7. With respect to anatomic variations, C4 has contribution in 13% of patients, and an absence of a C7 contribution occurs in 8% of patients. The long thoracic nerve travels posterior to the axillary vessels and brachial plexus, and it runs superficially to the serratus anterior, giving branches to each slip. The crow's foot is the point where the long thoracic nerve intersects the most dominant and inferior serratus branch of the thoracodorsal artery. Moving on to the spinal accessory nerve, otherwise known as cranial nerve 11, the spinal and cranial portions join to form the accessory trunk. The accessory trunk traverses the jugular foramen, crosses laterally over the internal jugular vein to innervate the sternocleidomastoid. The spinal accessory nerve enters the posterior triangle of the neck to innervate the trapezius. Now, let's talk about medial scapular winging in a bit more detail. With respect to the pathophysiology of medial scapular winging, this is from a deficit in the serratus anterior function due to injury to the muscle itself or to the long thoracic nerve. As far as the mechanical etiology of medial scapular winging, this can be from a traumatic avulsion of the serratus anterior or displaced fractures of the inferior pole of the scapula. With respect to a neurologic etiology of medial scapular winging, this can be from a traction nerve injury, a compressive nerve injury, direct nerve injury, or a neuralgic amyotrophy, otherwise known as brachial neuritis. With respect to a traction nerve injury, greater than 50% of the cases of medial scapular winging are a result of a traction nerve injury. Repetitive stretch injury is the most common. In this case, there is a gradual onset of weakness and winging, and there is an increased risk with the head tilted away during overhead arm activity, repetitive throwing, and or prolonged abduction. This can be seen in weightlifters and volleyball players. A traction nerve injury can be an acute injury with immediate winging in cases of high-energy trauma, for example, in the setting of a motorcycle accident. A compressive nerve injury can be acute or chronic. Acute compressive nerve injuries are a result of a blunt trauma to the chest wall, head, or neck. This can be seen in contact sports or motor vehicle accidents. Acute compressive nerve injury can also be seen with sudden depression of the shoulder girdle, for example, in the case of a fall. 
In the setting of a chronic compressive nerve injury, sites of compression include the scalene muscles, subcoracoid between the coracoid and the first or second rib, for example, when a person carries heavy objects on the shoulder. Other sites of compression can be inflamed bursa, specifically the subcoracoid, subscapular, accessory, and supracoracoid bursa. Finally, the antero-inferior scapular border can be another site of chronic compression. Direct nerve injury can be iatrogenic or from a penetrating injury to the chest wall. In the setting of an iatrogenic direct nerve injury, 10% of patients had prior surgery. Iatrogenic nerve injury can also be seen in a radical mastectomy slash axillary lymph node dissection, thoracic surgery, or a chest tube placement for pneumothorax. Neuralgic amyotrophy or brachial neuritis presents with isolated unilateral palsy of the long thoracic nerve in 22% of patients. Consider this diagnosis in patients without clear traumatic onset and with antecedent immunological insult and or inflammatory response. As far as the presentation of medial scapular winging, patients may have vague, nonspecific shoulder girdle pain and fatigue, specifically at the base of the neck, scapula, and deltoid. They may also have muscle spasms, weakness when lifting away from the body and overhead activity, discomfort sitting against a chair, Patients may also have neurologic symptoms due to traction on the brachial plexus, and patients may have symptoms of subjective shoulder instability. And this is secondary to failure of the scapula to provide a stable platform for rotation of the glenohumeral joint. As far as evaluation of medial scapular winging, physical examination may reveal that the inferior medial scapula elevates and protrudes posteriorly and medially. This is worsened by forward arm flexion. Physical examination may also reveal abduction, which is often limited to 90 degrees or less, weakness of forward arm flexion and abduction, wasting of the anterior scalene triangle, which is due to atrophy of the sternocleidomastoid muscle, and finally, with respect to scapular stabilization, manual stabilization of the scapula often improves pain and increases flexion and abduction. Diagnostic studies in the setting of mediocapular winging include electromyography, which helps assess involvement of the long thoracic nerve versus a mechanical cause of winging, for example, a serratus anterior avulsion. Treatment of mediocapular winging can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes observation, physical therapy, and activity modification. And as far as indications, you will typically observe for a minimum of six months, ideally 18 months to two years, and wait for the nerve to recover. As far as specific non-operative techniques, physical therapy should be directed at serratus anterior strengthening and stretching. Make sure to avoid painful or heavy lifting activities, and bracing with a modified thoracolumbar brace can be considered, however there is usually poor compliance and little benefit. With respect to outcomes, the majority of patients will spontaneously resolve with full return of shoulder function and resolution of winging by two years. Operative options include early repair of the serratus anterior avulsion, neurolysis of the long thoracic nerve, muscle transfer, specifically a split pectoralis major transfer, nerve transfer, or scapulothoracic fusion. With respect to early repair of the serratus anterior avulsion, this is indicated when there is mechanical disruption of the serratus anterior muscle in the setting of an avulsion and or its insertion, such as inferior pole scapula fractures, with symptomatic winging, and these patients should undergo surgical repair acutely. With respect to neurolysis of the long thoracic nerve, this is indicated when there's failure to improve with conservative treatment for at least six months, and when there's electromyography with signs of nerve compression, specifically distal latency and denervation. The technique involves supraclavicular decompression as the nerve traverses the scalene muscles. With respect to outcomes of neurolysis of the long thoracic nerve, 
There is excellent improvement in pain and resolution of winging in patients who failed non-operative management, and this is seen in approximately 98% of patients. There is also better improvement in shoulder strength, specifically flexion and abduction, compared to muscle transfers. Speaking of muscle transfers, specifically a split pectoralis major transfer, this is indicated when there is failure to improve with conservative treatment for one to two years. Other indications include pain relief and improved shoulder function with manual scapular stabilization. A split pectoralis major transfer from the sternal head is the most effective, and this can be done with or without augmentation with a fasciolata or hamstring graft. Other transfers may include a pectoralis minor transfer or a rhomboid transfer. As far as outcomes, the predictor of successful surgery is symptom relief and improved function with preoperative manual scapular stabilization. Often patients have persistent shoulder abduction weakness. Complications can include failure of the pectoralis muscle transfer attachment at the scapula, unsatisfactory cosmesis, specifically breast asymmetry in women, infection, and or adhesive capsulitis. With respect to nerve transfer, this is a developing area in the microsurgical field. The technique involves the lateral branch of the thoracodorsal nerve to the long thoracic nerve or a medial pectoral nerve with a sural graft to the long thoracic nerve. With respect to outcomes, nerve transfer has been shown to successfully re-innervate the long thoracic nerve and keep in mind that there's a benefit of preserving proper muscle biomechanics. Finally, with respect to scapulothoracic fusion, this is indicated when there is scapular winging from diffuse neuromuscular disorders. It's also indicated in failed muscle transfer surgery. However, it is often not the first surgical treatment of choice, and the primary goal is pain relief. The technique of a scapulothoracic fusion involves fusion of the anterior scapula to the posterior rib cage with wire cables and or plates and screws. As far as outcomes, there is a limited increase in shoulder motion after a scapulothoracic fusion with approximately a 20-degree gain of abduction. Recent studies show high satisfaction levels in 82% of patients at 5-year follow-up. Complications include non-union, pleural effusion, adhesive capsulitis, and or symptomatic hardware requiring removal. Now moving on to lateral scapular winging, the pathophysiology involves a deficit in the trapezius function due to injury to the spinal accessory nerve, otherwise known as cranial nerve 11. The pathophysiology is typically neurologic in etiology and can be either iatrogenic or traumatic. Iatrogenic is the most common, and keep in mind that patients are vulnerable in the posterior triangle of the neck, so specifically in cases of cervical lymph node biopsy or radical neck dissection. Traumatic etiologies may include traction injury, blunt trauma, or a penetrating injury to the neck. Traction injury specifically involves a sudden lateral flexion of the neck, for example in a motor vehicle or motorcycle accidents. Blunt trauma may even include a deep tissue massage. Presentation of lateral scapular winging is similar to medial scapular winging, so symptoms are vague, nonspecific shoulder girdle pain and fatigue, muscle spasms, weakness with overhead activity, discomfort sitting against a chair, Patients may have neurologic symptoms from traction on the brachial plexus and subjective shoulder instability from failure of the scapula to provide a stable platform for rotation of the glenohumeral joint, as well as shoulder impingement, specifically from inferior translation of the coracoacromial arch as the scapula depresses secondary to loss of the trapezius. As far as evaluation of patients with lateral scapular winging on physical exam, you may notice that the superior medial scapula drops downward and protrudes posterior and lateral. Again, on physical exam, in the setting of lateral scapular winging, you may see the superior medial scapula drops downward and protrudes posterior and lateral. This is worsened by arm abduction and resisted external rotation. 
Also on physical exam, you may notice that the shoulder girdle appears depressed or drooping. There may be also an asymmetry or visible atrophy of the ipsilateral trapezius. There may also be weakness of forward arm flexion and abduction. And finally, with respect to scapular stabilization, manual stabilization of the scapula often improves pain. As far as diagnostic studies in the setting of lateral scapular winging, electromyography again helps distinguish isolated spinal accessory nerve injury from other more extensive neurologic injuries. Treatment of lateral scapular winging can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative options include observation, physical therapy, and activity modification. As far as indications, the role of conservative management is controversial given that most injuries are iatrogenic direct nerve injuries and warrant surgical intervention. Elderly and sedentary patients and those without an identifiable injury should be initially treated conservatively. As far as outcomes of non-operative management in the setting of lateral scapular winging, predictors of a poor outcome with conservative management include the inability to raise the arm above the shoulder at presentation and dominant extremity involvement. Operative options include exploration of the spinal accessory nerve, neurolysis and repair, muscle transfer, specifically what's known as an Eden-Lang transfer, and scapulothoracic fusion. Indications of an exploration of the spinal accessory nerve, neurolysis, and repair is identifiable nerve injury that is diagnosed early. With respect to the technique, this should be performed within 20 months of the injury. As far as an Eden-Lang muscle transfer, this is indicated when the nerve injury is diagnosed late that is greater than 20 months from the injury. And as far as the technique, this involves transfer of the levator scapulae and rhomboid muscles from the medial border of the scapula to the lateral border to effectively reconstruct the trapezius. Finally, scapulothoracic fusion has the same indications as we previously discussed in the setting of mediocapular winging. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic might be tested. First question. A 42-year-old male sustains a flail chest injury and subsequently undergoes operative stabilization of his chest wall. At first follow-up, the inferior angle of his ipsilateral scapula translates medially with any attempt at overhead activity. Injury to which of the following structures would cause this abnormality? And the choices are 1. Spinal accessory nerve, 2. C8 and T1 nerve roots, 3. Upper and lower subscapular nerves, Four, thoracodorsal nerve, and five, long thoracic nerve. The correct answer to this question is five, long thoracic nerve. So the clinical vignette describes medial scapular winging, which is seen after injury to the long thoracic nerve. Injury to the long thoracic nerve will eliminate the function of the serratus anterior, which acts to protect the scapula laterally and upward, and stabilize the vertebral border of the scapula. This results in upper extremity weakness in forward elevation or abduction as the scapula is not stabilized against the thorax. Meininger et al. report that lesions of the long thoracic nerve and spinal accessory nerves are the most common cause of scapular winging, although numerous underlying etiologies have been described. They report patients describe diffuse neck pain, shoulder girdle discomfort, upper back pain, and weakness with abduction and overhead activities. They also report that most cases are treated non-surgically. Wyatter et al. review injuries to the spinal accessory nerve, which causes dysfunction of the trapezius and subsequent lateral scapular winging. They note that the superficial course of the spinal accessory nerve in the posterior cervical triangle makes it susceptible to injury, and iatrogenic injury to the nerve after a surgical procedure is one of the most common causes of trapezius palsy.
Most injuries are treated non-operatively, but the Eden-Lang procedure, in which the insertions of the levator scapula, rhomboid minor, and rhomboid major muscles are transferred, relieves pain, corrects deformity, and improves function in patients with irreparable injury to the spinal accessory nerve. Moving on to the next question. A collegiate swimmer develops medial winging of the scapula. If the EMG and nerve conduction studies are abnormal, the most likely nerve roots to be involved are, and the choices are 1, C7, C8, and T1, 2, C6, C7, and C8, 3, C5, C6, and C7, 4, C4, C5, and C6, and 5, C3, C4, and C5. The correct answer to this question is 3, C5, C6, and C7. So the classical medial winging of the scapula is due to paralysis of the serratus anterior muscle, which is supplied by the long thoracic nerve, which holds the scapula to the chest wall and prevents the inferior angle of the scapula from migrating medially. It is innervated by the long thoracic nerve, which comes from C5, C6, and C7. Surgical treatment may include a partial pec major transfer. Lateral winging may be caused by spinal accessory nerve palsy, otherwise known as cranial nerve 11, which is also from the ventral ramus of C2, C3, and C4. The nerve may be injured during neck surgery. This causes trapezius weakness, allowing the inferior pole of the scapula to migrate laterally. The modified Eden-Lang procedure may be used for this type of winging. Greg et al. describes paralysis of the serratus muscle in young athletes, which they felt was due to repetitive traction. Full recovery usually occurs in an average of nine months, and they recommend that surgical methods of treatment should be reserved for patients in whom function fails to return after a two-year period. Fu et al. describes a larger cohort of 20 patients again treated expectantly with observation and physical therapy. They reported consistent recovery, but that it can take up to two years. Moving on to the next question. A patient presents complaining of right shoulder pain and weakness following a neck exploration surgery. On exam, he is noted to have winging of the scapula. His EMG shows denervation of the trapezius muscle. This condition is best described as, and the choices are 1, lateral winging due to spinal accessory nerve injury, 2, medial winging due to spinal accessory nerve injury, 3, lateral winging due to long thoracic nerve injury, 4, medial winging due to long thoracic nerve injury, and 5, scapular dyskinesia due to cervical radiculopathy. The correct answer to this question is 1, lateral winging due to spinal accessory nerve injury. So the clinical presentation is consistent with lateral scapular winging due to iatrogenic injury to the spinal accessory nerve. Scapular winging is a rare, debilitating condition that leads to limited functional activity of the upper extremity. Causes include traumatic, iatrogenic, and idiopathic processes that most often result in nerve injury and paralysis of either the serratus anterior, trapezius, or rhomboid muscles. Serratus anterior paralysis, such as from the long thoracic nerve, results in medial winging of the scapula. This is in contrast to the lateral winging generated by trapezius and rhomboid paralysis. Most cases of serratus anterior paralysis spontaneously resolve within 24 months, while conservative treatment of trapezius paralysis is less effective. The review by Kuhn et al. classifies scapular winging as primary, secondary, or voluntary. Primary scapular winging may be due to neurologic injury, pathologic changes in the bone, or periscapular soft tissue abnormalities. 
Secondary scapular winging occurs as a result of glenohumeral and subacromial conditions and resolves after the primary pathologic condition has been addressed. Romero et al. described the Eden-Lang procedure with the lateral transfer of the levator scapula and rhomboid muscles, which can be helpful for lateral winging. They report satisfactory long-term results for the treatment of isolated paralysis of the trapezius, but in the presence of an additional serratus anterior palsy or weak rhomboid muscles, the procedure is less successful in restoring shoulder function. Levy et al. describe a clinical forward elevation lag sign for trapezius palsy with the resulting quote-unquote triangle sign in the prone position, which differentiates this from serratus winging. Moving on to the next question. Injury to the long thoracic nerve can result which of the following clinical entities? And the choices are 1. Terry's minor atrophy, 2. Infraspinatus atrophy, 3. Latissimus dorsi atrophy, 4. Medial scapular winging, and 5. Lateral scapular winging. The correct answer to this question is 4. Medial scapular winging. Medial scapular winging is a problem resulting from failure of the serratus anterior muscle to function properly in holding the scapula against the thoracic wall. The serratus anterior muscle originates at the upper surface of the top 8 to 9 ribs and inserts along the length of the medial border of the scapula. It is innervated by the long thoracic nerve, which is comprised of fibers from the roots of the C5, C6, and C7 levels. Lateral winging is caused most commonly by a trapezius palsy and rarely by a palsy of the rhomboids. Kibler has written numerous papers on the role of the scapula. He notes that while scapular dyskinesia may result from nerve injuries, it may also be a result of muscle inhibition from other shoulder pathology such as rotator cuff or labral pathology. The reference by Martin notes that most cases of serratus anterior paralysis spontaneously resolve within 24 months, while conservative treatment of trapezius paralysis is less effective. If there is no recovery, patients become candidates for corrective surgery. And moving on to the final question, a patient develops shoulder dysfunction and is noted to have medial winging of the scapula. If the EMG shows an abnormality, which nerve is most likely to be involved? And the choices are 1. Suprascapular. 2. Axillary, 3. Long thoracic, 4. Thoracodorsal, and 5. Radial. The correct answer to this question is 3. Long thoracic. So medial scapular winging is usually due to loss of serratus anterior function due to long thoracic nerve palsy. Injury to the long thoracic nerve can occur during repetitive trauma, penetrating trauma, surgery, prolonged pressure due to positioning, or inflammatory processes. This results in superior elevation and medial translation of the scapula with medial rotation of the inferior pole due to loss of serratus anterior muscle function. The patient will develop pain due to compensation by other periscapular muscles with impaired arm elevation. The diagnosis of long thoracic nerve palsy can be confirmed with EMG with serial examinations every three months to follow recovery, which occurs in most cases within one year depending on etiology. For those patients with symptomatic serratus winging, injury to the long thoracic nerve can occur during repetitive trauma, penetrating trauma, surgery, prolonged pressure due to positioning, or inflammatory processes. This results in superior elevation and medial translation of the scapula with medial rotation of the inferior pole due to loss of serratus anterior muscle function. The patient will develop pain due to compensation by other periscapular muscles with impaired arm elevation. 
The diagnosis of long thoracic nerve palsy can be confirmed with EMG, with serial examinations every three months to follow recovery, which occurs in most cases within one year depending on etiology. For those patients with symptomatic serratus winging for longer than one year with EMG evidence of denervation, surgical options such as scapulothoracic fusion, fascial sling suspension, or muscle transfer can be considered. Kuhn et al. reviewed different causes of scapular winging. They classify the condition as primary, secondary, or voluntary. Primary scapular winging may be due to neurologic injury, pathologic changes in the bone, or periscapular soft tissue abnormalities. Secondary scapular winging occurs as a result of glenohumeral and subacromial conditions and resolves after the primary pathologic condition has been addressed. Voluntary scapular winging is not caused by an anatomic disorder and may be associated with underlying psychological issues. That's all for this review about scapular winging. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast. <laughs>